Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Just have a question, Lauren. Yes, Dr. Are we live? Cohen. We're live, Dr. Cohen. Nice. <laughs> We're live at Gross Anatomy Podcast, where we explore the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture, meaning movies, books, TV, and the world around us. And you are? I am Dr. Jason Cohen. And I'm Lauren Taylor. And today we are very, very, very excited to have Katie Wilcox with us. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. How do I know you? How do we know you? Should we tell okay. the story of how we yeah. know each other? So your daughter is with my modeling agency, Layat, and I love your wife. She's amazing. She gives me my Botox, which is even better. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm working with Layat. You didn't have to tell that part. That you, oh, you didn't need to tell that. You can take that out if she doesn't want that in there, but I don't care. No, that's up to you. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I told you, I'm, I'm a transparent person. I think that the more people are honest about who they are and how they want to show up, it gives permission to other people to do the same. And, you know, I just, that's how I roll. But with uh, your daughter, so you have a six foot two gorgeous Glamazon daughter. And I've been working with her on talking about this stuff because so many girls and women, men do too, but I work mostly with women that, you know, there's these things when it comes to body size, when it comes to height, when it comes to appearance, that are so deeply rooted in not fitting into social norms, especially um, as these changes in media that we're working to create with natural models and having more representation, it really is powerful. And so one of the things with, with height is we're seeing in, our, in the media, everyone's like, oh, all ages, um, all sizes, all ethnicities. Yes, we'd like to see more of that, but not if you're tall or short. <laughs> That's, we're like, wait, this is like the last thing that is not being represented where the average height is five foot four, you know, and, you know, in our industry being, you have to be tall, but then again, not too tall. Like, so then there's all of these stipulations. So I've been working with Liat a lot about just owning it, you know, and I think she really has stepped into that and is seeing the outcome of like, you can't control your height. So you can go around pretending or shrinking or having bad posture, or you can just own it and be a beautiful goddess who's six foot two and help other women find clothes that make them feel good. And yeah. that, that's what you are. So that's how I know you. Yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, Liat is in love with you. She's, she can't stop singing your praises. And she's, she's like, great. oh, you gotta, you gotta do something with Katie. You gotta have her on the yeah. show. She's amazing. And, and because, you know, Liat, well, fortunately or unfortunately, Bernice, my wife, was a model. Mm -hmm. And so Liat, who's also gorgeous, wants to try the modeling thing. And it and she tried years ago, but like you said, it's hard for a someone who doesn't fit into that box. Yeah. And that's where you, and that's where you 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 come in, eh? Yeah. And it's funny because like I think a lot of it is there's logistics behind all of these decisions that people don't realize. So they will they will say like, how come you just don't shoot that on nine different people? You're like, okay, that logistically is like, <laughs> there's so much that goes into that. Um, but same thing with height. So if the model is short, you can fold the pants and hem them on set. You can pin them, you can retouch them. If 
if the model is tall and the clothes aren't long enough, you can't add fabric. Yeah. So it really is a logistical thing that I think in the future, they, when they're selling products for tall women, like they're going to be like, okay, we want actually a tall person, but it's still not going to be this, the mainstream because it's specialty. So those are all things to just that, that people should realize and think about. And at the end of the day, even if you don't get the response from clients that you're wanting, you can still carve out your own space in the industry or your own space in where you feel like things aren't being represented from a place of authenticity and passion that can turn into a lucrative career that's not the traditional way. So those are all the things I think people should think about, especially in today's time. Like if you really feel passionate about something, go out there and be the person to talk about it and start to bring awareness to it and see what can happen. And that, that's what we're doing with Liat, which is great and to it's, watch. And, it's try, and, I'm, and I'm watching it work because mm-hmm. of you, you know, for years, you know, she was trying to do the Instagram thing and, uh, you know, her followers were just at one place and, and now she's doing a lot of fun stuff with her height. Yeah. And people are noticing. Yeah, she did one video. I, I said to her, I said, look, if I looked at your page, I wouldn't even know that you were tall. Like, I mean, I could tell that you're tall, but I wouldn't know anything about that. And she's like, I never really thought about that. And so we worked through it. And then she did one video showing the problems tall girls have shopping where every outfit was like showing her butt, every dress. And it got over a million, um, a million views on TikTok. And I'm like, so when that stuff happens, that's a direct sign that there are other women resonating with it. The conversation was hilarious because it was also short women that are like, oh my God, that dress would look like my mom's nightgown if I had it on. Right. And it was just this really authentic, funny banter of women connecting um, in a way of not being the norm. And so, so much of these girls that have that potential, they've tried their whole lives to be the norm. And that's not where their magic is. Their magic is that they're different and like, playing in that space and seeing what happens. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch it click for girls and to see like that confidence get come that they've, you know, been missing and to see they kind of blossom into a woman, which is part of my job. I feel like, (laughs) you know, it was definitely hard for her as a kid, you know, she'd show up to school in these outfits she liked that other kids could wear. And, you know, it would be not even covering, you know, barely covering her, you know, mid Yeah, you know, it's funny, like we've been talking a lot about that too, of, you know, these stores that have the Brandy Melville where it's like one size and we're like, really, could we, could we not do this and ruin all girls' self-esteem with one size that's this big? Like mm-hmm. that's the stuff that we're talking about as, as parents, because I have a four and a half year old daughter and you know, the changes we're trying to make in the industry are really coming from the place of we've experienced the harm that it causes on the inside as models, the really strict um, expectations on our bodies, you know, the really unhealthy size requirements that that force models to stop eating and start smoking and all the unhealthy stuff that harms them long term. And then presenting that image to the public as this is healthy and attainable. Like we've had generations of harm coming directly from our industry that has been false messages about health and what health looks like, false messages about beauty and the and wellness as well. And so one thing that I like to bring up, and I'm sure you can touch on as a physician, is that health should never harm you. Wellness should never harm you, and beauty should never harm you. If it does, it is not authentic, and you need to recognize the source and go the opposite direction. And that's something that I think people are waking up to, to go, hey, none of this None that we were lied to a lot in media and we need to start to navigate those lies and figure out what's good for us individually. And what's the name of your agency? Natural model management. 
And are there other, are you, were you the first agency to embrace people how they are? Or, yes, or? The, the first in LA. So I started as a curve model. I was an, an athlete. So I was playing um, volleyball competitively and working Luckily out. On. Yep. Working out four hours a day, all the tall, big frame girls usually are in sports. Yeah. And that's where we scout our plus models. And cause it really is just a frame, a frame thing. I used to go to my daughter's to Liat's, um, volleyball tournaments, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure you did all that. Yep. I often thought, why aren't there agencies down there actually, <laughs> you know, making yeah. things and recruiting these girls? Yeah. There, right? we, we do recruit, but the problem is with sports and coming from that experience you know you started playing in sixth grade and you're like goal your dream your whole life has to been you know to go to college and when you model you can't do both like you can't be like oops sorry guys missed that volleyball game for this modeling gig you know so it's one of those things that usually we let women like take that path if that's what they felt they've worked for and then after model or after volleyball or whatever's over you're still what 23 then come over to us when you want to experience that so but yeah that's where so many of of the curve models um are coming from sports because they're fit they're just a larger fuller body and to for people that aren't aware what the traditional straight size model is what they call it so the ideal victoria's secret model from you know five years ago is on average 15 to 19% underweight for their height. So that's important to recognize because then when we were seeing women like myself, who is the, I'm in a super healthy weight for my height, my body fat's in the healthy range, my muscles actually have more muscle mass, so that makes it even healthier. My bones are good. I do all of the body scans and labs, and I was considered big because the ideal was underweight. So the effects that's had on our, on our eye of what we see and think, well, that looks big is because we've been trained to see something that's underweight as normal. So it's going to take time for us to start to see what healthy looks like in the various stages. Um, not going off of the BMI, like we said, um, but going off of more of our daily habits and practices and letting our bodies, um, kind of go where they're meant to be by living a healthy lifestyle instead of always having the goal of being like smaller, smaller, smaller. Yeah. I think we need to re- reframe that. I watched your, on your website, I watched your little video about, you know, I, I loved it. Um, don't hate me though. Ready? Yeah. I, I, I don't, you kind of made it seem, I don't want you, you're going to hate me. I'm kind of, no. let's do it. Kind of made it seem like, to some degree, what got you better was meeting your husband. Well, it didn't get me better, but it was a, what I call a program interrupt for me because yeah. I was so, my brain was so set on this negative thought process of I'm gross and I'm not good enough and I'm big and all the things that everyone had told me. And I was, you know, that's very low vibrational thinking and existing. So when I met him, I had never met someone that was like, so like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, you're like the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. I was like, what is wrong with you? And I love that. And I (laughs) loved him. It was amazing. And I loved the story. Um, 
but you don't need a guy to do that. Yeah. Right. And that, that's for other women. That's yes. amazing. So that's great. So that, that was my personal experience and my right. personal story. But that program interrupt is what happened when I met Lyot. So it's, it's anyone can go, Hey, like snap out of this. Like, this is what we're doing. And you have an opportunity to realize the way you've been thinking about yourself and the decision you've been making based off of that operating system were, were full of viruses. So we're going to recognize what those are and we're going to clean out the viruses so that we can start operating optimally with a core base of self-love and respect and then make decisions off of that place. And when I watched that video, I thought to myself, this video needs to be shown to like tween girls, mm. you know, when, when it, and, and I really thought to myself, God, this video should be shown at schools. Yeah. We're actually doing a thing with Beverly Hills High School this week. So we, we do a lot of in-depth conversations and I, I love that schools like that are progressive and they're willing to have these conversations openly with their students and the students there when we went before COVID, we were doing live sessions. They were wanting to talk about this stuff. And one of the things that got brought up from the boys, because we keep saying we need to talk to girls. Okay. It does no good. If women are the only ones showing up to these self-help conversations, they're the only ones buying tickets to go figure out how to have better relationships. They're the only ones that are putting in the effort to work on themselves. And men don't think that any of this pertains to them. It's starting in junior high where you're like, you need to go talk to the girls. Well, the real issue is that 10 and 12 year old boys are learning about women and girls from hardcore pornography with no discussions about it. So the deeply ingrained objectification of female bodies is happening at such a young age with zero discussion about it, that when it goes you know, from there forward, we get, we develop in sixth and seventh grade, boys get their hormones in eighth and ninth grade. So there's a lot of this stuff that we don't have anyone going in and speaking to them about. We don't have healthy examples of. So if we just go in and talk to the girls, it does no good because no one's talking to the boys. Yeah, no, you have to talk to the school, to all the kids, not just, um, but it's, but it's not just, I mean, certainly pornography, but I, I think it's also just what's in all magazines, whether it's people magazine or Cosmo magazine. I mean, that's what the boys are looking at too. You know, they're looking oh, at social media. Are you kidding? Yeah. Look at Instagram. It's crazy. But I'm dating myself. <laughs> the, the social media. Exactly. Yeah. Cause like all the teenage boys are following those girls. So, so what we, what we really, really learn is from a young age, for girls, like our power comes from our bodies, like, because that's what we're taught is our currency. Um, Social media reflects that opportunities reflect that, that unless you're able to use your body, like that's your only way to have power to get what you want. Um, And so that's something that we're really having to work against because, you know, media does that too. Like all these marketers that are paying these influencers are rewarding the number, but not really caring of how you got that number. And the message that's sending is that none of these things matter. You just need to post your body. And so it's, you know, this is full circle that all of us are complicit in how we're in marketing and in advertising. And that's why, again, it really needs to come from a place of people that have children that have core values to go, this is really not okay. Like there's a better way, a new business model. And we've proven that that can be more ethical, that can care for people, especially young, vulnerable populations, like young men and women. 
and to do things differently. And we can also be extremely lucrative and profitable. And so it's just a matter of us having the consciousness to go, we see the outcome of this and all of it is because it's monetizable. Like we're like, Oh great. We'll just throw some money there. We get our money. And there's just not a lot of, of accountability for the outcome of our behavior now. So, um, that's something that we really think about that. We know the work that we're doing. We're probably not going to see the full cultural, um, outcome in our generation, but we're hoping like our daughters do and they're, kids do as well. So it is, it's going to take a long time for that to change, especially because only now are there women in these positions of power making these decisions. So the biggest change has been women like myself who've worked through a lot of these unhealthy things in the industry and going, no, 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 this isn't how we should do it. And now we're getting, we're gatekeepers for other women's success. And we're able to choose the people that are deserving, that are kind, that are professional, that are putting in the work to get, you know, these outcomes, but also have core values in themselves to want to make a positive impact. And when we get to decide who that is, those are the women that people are seeing, that's when we'll kind of shift that balance of just the physical to, hey, yeah, this girl's pretty, but she's also really smart. She's studied. She knows what she's talking about. And if you give her a microphone, she's actually going to have some interesting things to say other than talking about followers. What what got you, what made you, I, I mean, obviously I know what made you start this, but what, how were you able to do it? Like what, what made you say, I'm doing this? Where, where'd you get, and how many years ago was it? Man, um, so I was 25. So I, well, I've been modeling. Was for- last year, right? <laughs> yes. That's my favorite one. Um, no, I'm 36. So I started my agency at 25, but I had started modeling at 17. So I have 17 years of experience in the industry, um, which is like, you know, a PhD. <laughs> so I was with all the big agencies. I watched America's Next Top Model. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, this is how I'm supposed to be special, just like every girl in America. And then I actually just happened to fit what they were looking for, which is a very small percentage. And so I got signed to a big agency and it was just really shocking to me the reality of what it is versus what is being painted in this illusion of what modeling is. And still today, we're trying to get girls to realize this is not America's Next Top Model. That was a fake produced TV show. This is an actual business. Like you don't get to act crazy. Like you have to be professional. You need to be smart. Like you have to show up in a way that is respectable. You don't just get to go, oh, I get to do this because I'm pretty. And that's something that, you know, we're struggling with the younger girls because of the social media culture. They think, oh, I'm pretty, I should just get stuff, you know, or like, oh God, no. So yeah, I, I, I experienced all of that. The illusion, the bubble burst for me when I was like, people don't care about me. Like I'm, I'm treated as I'm replaceable. I'm disposable. If I don't want to do what they say, I'll just be dismissed. And that wasn't a good feeling to, to be in a place where you are powerless, but yet everyone is looking to you as if, you're special, you know? Right. So I wanted to change that. And I, there was a lot of bias at the time when we started. So for example, in LA, like no photographers would shoot curve models. This was 10 years ago. And because that was like beneath them, they thought it was gross or whatever. So my husband and I started doing testing for agencies because I got tired of paying thousand dollars for test shoes for people who didn't care just because I was bigger than the straight size girls. 
And so we got really good at that. And we started testing for all the, all the models at all the agencies. And we learned Photoshop, Lightroom, video editing, all the skill sets that we need to be able to, to what, do. What gave you guys the courage to do it? What, how, how were you? I met someone, um, a guy, I want to say his name, but he hit me up because he liked, I had started Healthy as a New Skinny and was talking about a lot of the issues in the industry before I ever had the idea for natural and models were hitting me up like, um, you know, they didn't want me to say their name, but it was confidential, like sharing their stories of their eating disorders and like all the stuff that they're struggling with. And this, this guy that used to own an agency back in the day was like, I want you to come work, you know, with me. I love your message and this company. And when I was around him, I realized I was like, Oh, he's a con artist. Like he, he did have an agency, but he didn't know what he was doing. And it was very evident to me. And he was really good at getting people to do things for him and using your ideas and your I passion. I know like, no, you know, yeah. it's called narcissism. <laughs> Most surgeons do have that, just so you know. <laughs> I have physicians in my family, so hopefully they watch this. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's where I started to be like, he's just using all my ideas. Like, he doesn't know. Like, you went hmm. to work for him? We started to. You and your husband went to work for him together? We, yeah, we were, we were talking with him and going to these meetings and stuff, and we had the idea for natural, and he wanted to be like part, you know, go in on it together, and we were like, he doesn't bring anything to the table. And we had that, we had that consciousness to realize that, that he was just going to use us. And so we went, well, if he could do it, why can't we do it? And, mm-hmm. and that was just that moment where I realized that, you know, there's so many people that are, are super qualified that other people are being successful just because they're ballsy or they have the guts to go for it when they're not as qualified. And I think it was a little bit cause I was 25 and naive as well. And I just went for it and I look back now and I'm like, Oh my God, how did I, like, how did I do this? I have no idea. But at the same time, I've always had, um, you know, I like have always had a calling for it since I was young. So I just really trust my intuition always. And I just went for it and having good relationships and being a good person, clients actually helped me and were like, Hey, we're looking for this too. And they would teach me. And they were the first ones, like the clients I had great relationships with were the first ones to book my models. And you remember your very first shoot with, um, one of my models. Yeah, with what you know, as an agent. As, yes, as an agent. yeah, for Kohl's. Kohl's is one of my like biggest clients. I've worked for them for like fifteen years. I basically grew up with the company, and they were like so such a big part, a big role in us being successful because they were my first major client that booked my models, and wow. um, yeah, and then it went from there, and it took ten years of really like blood, sweat, and tears. I didn't, I didn't take get paid a salary or anything for the first four years. We just like hustled and put everything back into it. And now we have a team of eight. We've got a hundred and something models. Our girls are in every mall, all major campaigns, and it's all sizes, ethnicities. And um, it's just really wild. Like I, I still don't believe it sometimes because it's just been such a hard process and slow changes over 10 years, but just now it's hitting where everyone's seeing it. And we're like, Oh my God, we've been working on this for 10 years. And people are just now like, Oh, we get to see different, different sizes in the media. And it's, it's fully coming to fruition. And it's just really cool to see. So you're an overnight success over the last 10 years. (laughs) Yes, Overnight. That's what people think. And it's so weird. I'm like, because social media, like you said, if you're like any time, like your, how many years of school did you have? 
and then residency and everything? A lot. Okay. I had so four years of college, five years, four years of med school, five years of residency, two years of fellowship, 12 years. Okay. Just to start doing what you do. When it comes to modeling, people, if you if you have the look, you can start to try to do it. But they think, well, I have the look. Why am I not booking what this person's doing? And you're like, there is nothing else in this entire universe that you can have zero experience, that not have any any idea of what you're even going to do and then expect to come in and be like, I should just be famous. (laughs) Like, why not me? And you're like, this is, this is real life stuff. You're going to be competing against girls that have been doing it for 10 years. Of course, they're going to beat you out every single time. Like we're trying to get girls to start to switch off this. I just need to be pretty brain to let's be business models. Because if you come into this with the right mentality, you can, even if it's not lasting through us, even if you're not getting the response through us, it can shift where you're going in your life and you things click for you where now you're creating opportunity for yourself because you're being smart. You're saving your money. You're paying your taxes. You're being super professional and making great relationships everywhere you go. And all that turns into very successful, well-rounded people. So that's also what we're trying to do in when working with these girls that we're like, hey, you're more than just pretty. I need you to believe that. I also need you to show up as that because our reputation in the industry is a high bar of professionalism. And it's little things that people and young kids don't realize, like hanging up your clothes, not throwing them on the floor, cleaning up your dressing room, saying thank you to people before you leave. All of that has gotten lost because of social media and communication through emojis. <laughs> I'm like, you can't send an emoji to the person you're working with. You got to say thank you to their face. <laughs> like, so it is interesting how the younger generation communicates. It's, it's a bit of a challenge. Oh, yeah. So, and it's funny hearing you talk about the younger generation because I think of you as the younger generation, but okay. Wait, how old are you? I'm over 50. I'm 51. I'm an old man. Well, I see I'm 36. That's not, it's not that young. So we're all like, all right, you know, I still, good. but how old do you feel on the inside though? 97. <laughs> <laughs> I actually probably believe that. <laughs> I still feel super young. My mom told me the other day, cause my mom's like 62 and she's like, yeah, it's so weird. It's like one day you walk past a mirror and you're like, oh my God, who's that old woman? She's like, because on the inside, you always feel like the same age. Like your spirit doesn't age. It's just your physical self ages. And I, I totally relate to that. I'm like, I feel so young. I, I think I'll always feel like that. high school kid. The only problem okay. is, is I, I, as a high school kid, I was an old man already. <laughs> me, I was a little bit too. Not yeah. an old man, but I was like yeah. definitely like an older soul, I guess you could say. What I love is, so you guys aren't just an agency. You're like almost like mentors. Yes. So that's my specific role. Um, I don't do anything with clients. Like we have the bookers that handle all of that. But I really realize that girls need mentors. Like we don't have mentors in anything. It's like, you know, we talk about that really difficult time of transitioning from girl to womanhood. And there's a really great book called The History of American Girls that kind of explains how it used to be this communal, like 
women celebrated each other and you had your aunts and your cousins and your grandma and your mom. And, you know, even when you're going through puberty and you get your period, it was like a celebration of becoming a woman. And then Mm -hmm. the Victorian era that shifted to, it was about cleanliness and didn't want to be dirty and proper. And then you're having to be bedridden, like, (laughs) and there's no support for girls. And you look at now, they have all of the content they're getting is social media based. Uh, Most most families are two parents working. Um, so where are these mentors that are going, Hey, let me help you navigate this. It's all good. Like this is normal. You're not crazy. Like, no, we don't have access to that. And so when they come into our industry and when we're talking about, you know, childhood traumas and dysfunctional families and all the things that everyone experiences, all of a sudden you're taking a girl and just throwing her into this industry with no help. And so that's something that I love to do is to work more as a mentor with girls to say, Hey, like I can't make you a working model. Like that's going to be up to the clients and the market to dictate, but we can get you your best chance possible. And if nothing else, let's work on developmentally, how you can be a healthier, happier person so that no matter what happens through this process, you can come out the other side and take something really valuable with you that you can pay forward to other women and other girls. So that's, that's really our, our goal. And aside from changing, the culture of of beauty in the media my next thing i'm really focused on is changing the culture of how girls and women treat each other i cannot tell you how frustrating this junior high mean girl bullshit is as adult women i cannot tolerate it it's not okay and my husband's always like yeah it would be wonder woman island over here and women would be running everything if they just stopped taking each other out i was like So that's really what we're focused on too is saying, hey, for girls, we're not saying you have to like each other. I'm not even asking you to be friends, but respecting each other means you don't partake in things that are going to harm other women. That's the shit talking, the jealousy, the envy, the leader killers, all of that kind of stuff where we said, look, as guys, my husband and I talked about this, he's like, you learn that kind of young that if you run your mouth, you might get punched in the face, you know? Like there's consequences to to running your mouth. Women, we haven't learned that lesson because we don't play that same that same game. So they get real vicious. And when it comes to beauty and looks, oh my gosh, like the claws come out and it's all based in insecurity. So I think if we can fill that void, we'll see culture of women change as well. I don't know the answer to this. And, and I'm, in all girls schools, do you think mm-hmm. it's just as bad or less bad? I have no idea. I haven't been to an all girls school, (laughs) but I I think it's just women in general, to be honest with you. And I, and what it's actually coming from is scarcity mindset. So in our industry, there's always one spot. So everyone's like fighting for that one spot. And what we've done is we're like, no, we need to create a new economy. So we need to create an economy where there's so many spots that women don't have to compete for one spot. They can actually help each other and make the podium larger so we can all fit on there together. And that's kind of like what we're saying is if there's not enough room for all of us, then we don't want it because nothing will change. Then it's just one spot for one woman and the rest will fight for that spot. So we're doing a lot uh, on the back side of things to try to change this mentality in younger girls. You have siblings? I have a brother who's a doctor. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. Oh, wow. And my mom has her PhD in brain injury and rehab, and she's a hospital administrator as well. Oh, wow. Um, what about boys? Are you, are you doing anything for men and boys, or really right now you're just focused on women? Yeah. So it's interesting because 
I personally feel like, again, back to these conversations where I've spoken at Wonderlust festivals, a lot of wellness things like in schools, and, and we see the same pattern, which is women are showing up and guys don't feel like they need to. And this is happening at universities as well. So we, I went and did a 900-girl lecture with the sororities at this was Texas Christian University, and it was amazing. And the girls loved it. They felt like so much better after it. But they did something similar for the guys. And there's a really toxic um, Greek culture on campus with fraternity culture. And um, they did the same talk for healthy masculinity and that stuff. And like nine guys showed up. So um, I don't what, think it should be what if your personally. Husband were, what if your husband were the one giving yeah. it? You think only well, nine guys would have shown up? Well, I think, you know, I don't know because it's starting, like you said, I think if we start young, what I found is when we have the boys and girls together, we've gotten some really great um, conversations going. And for example, at Beverly Hills High School, one of the things we do is we list out what are all the beauty expectations for girls? And it's literally like 400 things on this list, like everything you can imagine. And we're like, okay, well, let's do the guys. Like, what are the the physical, like, you know, looks, expectations for guys? And it's like, you know, he can have a cute smile, I guess, maybe. Like <laughs> abs if he has them, but also dad bots are cool too. Like, you know, it's so not the same thing. So as we, we lay that out visually, it starts a great conversation where the girls are like, yeah, this is bullshit, you know, like this is an equal. And one of the boys in the conversation, I said, what do you think are, is the outcome of us trying to attain these things that are absolutely not attainable? And he said, eating disorders, but he laughed, you know, like that immature thing. And I was like, Okay, well, like, let's talk about that. Um, are you saying, are you laughing because you feel uncomfortable? Are you laughing because you think eating your swords are funny? Like, what? And his friend was like, no, he's on the wrestling team. And I went, oh, I gotcha. So you are talking about when you need to make weight, you have to do very unhealthy things. And he's like, and all the boys started to join this. And they're like, yeah, it sucks. Like, you just wow. feel like crap. And then you have to get measured and weighed in front of people. But it was great perspective because for the first time in the double group where there were boys and girls, the boys, so I said, Hey, you know how, let me put this in perspective for you. You know how, when you're, you're doing all that horrible stuff to your body to make weight and people comment on it and how it makes you feel. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I go, you know how horrible your, your head feels because you're not eating and your body aches and all that stuff you're doing. And then you have to step on a scale in front of people. He's like, yeah, I go, that's how these girls feel every single day. So when you say something about their bodies, remember that's how they feel when someone says something about you when you're trying to make weight. And it was like, it literally, you could tell everyone was like, oh shit, we never thought about it that way. And that's how I talk to students because I hate like, you know, when people go in there and it's like, I'm going to lecture at you in my suit and tie. Like that's not, they're not going to listen to you. Like these kids are smart. They're actually super like more aware of a lot of things than their parents are because we all have, you know, the generational programming. So I think we really need to go in and empower them to have these conversations and lead them themselves and open up the dialogue because they'll actually learn a lot from each other. And we don't, we don't do that yet. So I hope that changes. Why don't you start a part of your agency for, for male? We have before. Um, We used to do Big and Tall, but there's only one conglomerate that owns the three catalogs. And initially, so this is how the industry changes a lot. Um, Big and Tall, they wanted like pro athlete size. So we had a few guys that were like 6'4", and there were these like huge men. And then it shifted where they were like, we want, you know, softer tummy, like kind of guys. 
Um, but there really just is only those few clients. There's not a huge market for it. So it's one of those things where I'll be honest, like guys are a little bit harder to deal with, <laughs> like, especially if they're the, the athlete type guys, cause they're the type of guys that everyone has like given stuff to their whole life. So it's a lot of hand holding and a lot of like those kind of things where we're like, ah, I just try to stay in my lane. Like what I know is what I do and I stay there and I let other people be in charge of what they know. And that's, I think what, where all of us are going to make the most progress. Cause I definitely just how age, high fashion agencies can't do what we do. They're trying, but they don't have an eye for it because they've trained their eye to see super, super skinny as ideal. So I also, when I get submissions from agencies for straight size models that are editorial, I'm like, is she pretty? Is she weird? Like I have no eye for this. I can't tell. So I think it's about us recognizing what we're good at and not feeling like we need to dominate the world, but be just really good and stay in our lane and be the best at what we do. And that's where I try to keep my focus. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm still traumatized from being a kid because I was a Husky as a kid, as a boy, mm-hmm. uh, I went through a Husky phase and I'm still yeah. traumatized about going to Barney's New York with my dad to go to the Husky department to buy for my sister's bat mitzvah when she was 12, I guess I was 11 and I, he bought me like the only thing was like this horrible brown velvet suit. And that's what I wore out of the Husky department. I'm still traumatized. Isn't isn't it horrible to make people feel that way? Like, especially kids. Like I went through the same thing. My two cousins were, gymnasts like five they're both five foot tall as adults and so I literally looked like an ogre next to them my entire life and it's it's also social cues that we pick up on like not only could I not shop at the same store but if we were out people would come up to us and be like oh my gosh you two are so adorable and so cute and like literally not acknowledge me standing there and Mm -hmm. it's that kind of stuff that we need to be more mindful of and so you know, I always like to think too, like your pain is your purpose and things that have harmed you. Like you can also put that goodness back into the world and try to make those corrections. So whenever I see like a little chubby girl at the store, I always make it um, like, I go out of my way to be like, I love that outfit. That is just so cute. And they're always like, what? Like with their glasses, like, what, why are you talking to me? And I, I, everywhere I go, I'll just start that conversation with them. And, and, um, it just happened when we were in Mexico, a really funny story. We're having to get COVID tested before we could come back. And these girls were like screaming bloody murder. They're like nine and 10. And you would think they were getting murdered back there taking their COVID test. So we started a conversation with them and, um, and they were like, Oh, there's a modeling thing going on. And I was like, Oh, that's what I do. And they were kind of like me, like little chubby, like 10 year olds. And I was like, oh, I have a modeling agency, but we have all sizes because we think all girls are beautiful. And I just like start the conversation like that. And you kind of see them like, what? Like, uh, and she goes, I go, don't you think like all, all people look amazing? Like in, and she goes, even my dad. (laughs) 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 I was like, yeah, even your dad. But you could (laughs) tell that he, like her dad talks poorly about himself because that's what she said. So these are all things to think about. And I just leave her feeling good. And I was like, yeah, don't you think you look amazing? And she's like, no. And I go, why? Why would you think that? And if I have a moment to, to pour that into a little girl and I have the opportunity, I make that moment to do it because I know how that would have felt to me, if somebody would have saw me and said, Oh my gosh, like you're so, so beautiful. So I think people tend to overcorrect 
Um, when, you know, we say we don't want girls to only think that they're beautiful. Of course, there's so much more than that, but I don't think the correction is not telling girls they're beautiful. Like that would be like my grandmother's idea being like, I don't want her to be cocky. So I'm not going to give her any compliments. You're like, okay, no grandma, that's extreme. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying don't value her beauty over all the other beautiful gifts and things that make her who she is. That should include her beauty also because girls are beautiful. All little girls are beautiful and they should be celebrated no matter what they look like. What age did you start realizing or coming through it, you know, and feeling, when did you start feeling good again? Um, well, I had a, I think we all hit a rock bottom, um, with self-loathing. And for me, I had, um, lost at my largest size. I, you know, stopped playing sports, gained the freshman 30, was eating horribly, was depressed, living in New York City, not knowing anyone. You were an art the, major. Yep. I went to the School of Visual Arts. I was an art major also. Oh, cool. Yeah. For painting and drawing. I love creative everything. So that was like a super fun time. Yeah. And it was funny because my mom like dropped me off at the dorm and I was like the only like normal looking person. Like my roommate had like a shaved head with pink veins and like rats tattooed on her chest. And my mom's like, oh my God, where am I leaving you? And I loved it because I love like cuckoo bird weirdos. They're my favorite people because they're just themselves. And I just respect that so much. And being in an industry where you know, we're told how we can do our hair, what kind of nails we can have, how we have to dress, what we can say, what we can't say. There was something so attractive about people that were just like, F it. Like, I'm just me. And if you don't like it, I don't care. I was like, I want to hang out with them. So um, it was a really cool experience. And I learned a lot. And um, so then when I, when I met my husband. So when did you hit your low? You said. Yeah. So I met him and I I started to get naturally, I lost weight because I was just happier. And Um, moved to LA out of that environment. And then my modeling agency was like, Hey, you're in between sizes now. So I lost all my clients and they were like, you know, you need to get your hips down to 33 inches. And, you know, at the time they were 40 inches and that was me like pretty small. Um, so that's when I hit rock bottom where that's that dangling carrot of you've given up so much for this. This is the only job I've done professionally. And it's that, or I have to go like find a new career or I have to just get my hips down small enough. That's the position we put girls in. So I did, I did the meal delivery service. I worked out the two hours a day, convincing myself this is normal and healthy. Like, you know, like I'm doing this for good reason. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I I hit rock bottom when I cried because I licked frosting off a baking sheet that I made cupcakes for people. And I was like, I can't have any. And I was just like, who am I? Like, I just had this moment. I'm like, this is not who I am as a person. And thankfully for me, it was like a very short lived, you know, few months before I was snapping out of it. And I didn't go down the rabbit hole too far. Did you talk to a therapist or you? No. So yeah, not yet. I had gotten that point and I was talking to my husband. I was like, I'm going to quit. I hate this. I hate what this industry does to people. Like, I don't want, I don't want anyone else to be harmed by this. And he was like, you know, you're right. Like you have every right to want to quit, but if you quit, like who's going to change it for other people? And I was like, see, he got me. I was like, now you got my wonder woman side where I'm like, okay, now I have to be the one to do it. So that's really when I realized I didn't have anything to lose because so much of how this industry controls models is because they have so much to lose. And I had already lost it all. So Brad was like, look, you don't have anything to lose. So, so if you start talking about the stuff, you already lost your clients. So it doesn't like, who cares? You know, I was like, you know what? You're right. And it was this like freedom to not feel like someone had leverage over me to control me. And 
that's when it all started to blossom. And, and I think that's the key for so many people that we stay stuck and we give our power away and we're afraid to do what we know we should do to make things better. And if we can overcome that fear and just go for it, I think we would be astounded at what you can accomplish. And it's not easy and it doesn't happen overnight, but it's just that initial thing of being like, ah, I don't have anything to lose. Cause if I'm not happy doing what I'm doing anyway, then who cares if I lose it? Because the opportunity to have the life that you really want is worth the risk. So what did you start doing? You started blogging or you just started? I got hit up to start speaking at school. So I did a blog and yep. And they, and then I spoke, then it kind of went from there. So schools were bringing us and social media just started. So our social media, I was talking about body image when no one else was, this was before it became sexualized. So it really was like memes and things from therapists and eating disorder specialists and sharing girls stories. So our Instagram went very quickly because we were kind of the first ones to have these discussions publicly. Um, and then, you know, you really have seen that market again, get totally like glossed over with PR type conversations about it and just pictures of bodies. Like it's, it's not helping. And so that's something that I want to, you know, for women to be conscious of when we're on social media and we say, we convince ourselves, Hey, I'm doing this kind of content because it's helping women everywhere. We tell ourselves that I've told myself that like we all do it. And we have to look at the data because the data is telling us it's getting worse for girls. So we need to be accountable to say, hey, okay, so if this social media content that I'm doing is getting me good engagement, then that's what we should say it is. Like this, this is the honesty and the authenticity to say, hey, I'm a body positive blogger. These are the trends that we do. And um, I enjoy doing this. Not I'm doing this to help young girls because it's getting worse. So we need to really reflect on, on if our passion really is to help young girls that we need to also care about what the data is showing us. And if what we're doing online is making it worse, we need to start to reflect on maybe there's a better way to do this to get a different outcome where, again, we can still make a living, we can still do the things we enjoy, but that we see those statistics going down of young girls committing suicide and self-harm, not going up. So those are all things we need to be mindful of. As a a father of daughters, um, I I look at you know, social media and stuff. And I see it's all about skin, but then I also see, I I looked at the models on, on your website too. And there's a lot of skin there too. Mm -hmm. And why do we have to show so much skin? Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is like on our Instagram, these are all jobs. So Mm -hmm. this, this is the work. And, um, So that's, again, why it's really important that we have more women in positions of power as decision makers so that they can start to change the way women's bodies are being shown and seen because it so much has been for the male eye, like marketing from the male perspective. And now women are the ones that are saying, oh, no, we're selling from women to women. And so it's showing beauty and bodies in a different light when that happens. So it is hard because... I think what I've realized working with models and I've had the same frustrations as talking to young girls, how complex and complicated body image and sexuality are, Mm -hmm. and they get really intertwined and can be very toxic and they're two separate entities. They do affect one another, but they shouldn't, we shouldn't be tying in sexuality is how you love yourself. 
Like yeah. those, that's the messaging. And I'm like, please don't get this confused. But when we do talk about sexuality, I think that what I've seen from our models, because I have girls that post content that's very sexual that are not like that at all. And mm-hmm. so there was one girl I just talked to and she's like, you know, I go, Hey, we're going to try and go not so sexy with pictures because your Instagram's all sexy. And I, I don't comment on it. That's for them, but I will talk to them about it. And she was like, Oh yeah, my page is like basically like an only fans page. Like they recognize very young. That only fans only fans is basically a website where it's like an Instagram, but people can pay tips for like, you know, sexy yeah. pictures and stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so what I've realized is a lot of young women are using social media as a way to explore their sexuality that's safer than in real life. Mm. So in real life, they can't be out in their underwear. They can't do these things. Like there's real threat to them from boys and, you know, like all the things that are happening at these college parties, like all of this stuff. It's really not, there's a lot of horrible things going on for girls online. They feel safe. To go, oh, well, I'm not allowed to like explore my sexuality the same way that boys are. I get shamed for it. I get judged for it. Or I actually have to fear my safety. Um, So I've seen that. And I try to not be as judgmental because I do think that this is a very hard thing for girls to navigate. And when I realized myself, there's a really great documentary called Strip Down, Rise Up on Netflix um, about women reclaiming their sensuality and their sexuality for themselves, not for men or not for the male eye. And I watched that and I was like, okay, this is making me level 10 uncomfortable. So I feel like I need to sign up for this class. Um, But second, I also realized that I started modeling at 17 years old. You know, I had my first boyfriend like that year and my first test shoot was like, I looked like a grown woman, super sexy in like lingerie. And the first time seeing myself look like that, I was like, oh my God, like I was kind of like uncomfortable, uncomfortable myself because I could photograph that way. So we learn very young what sexy looks like and the role of sexy without ever experiencing sensuality or sexuality in a healthy way from ourselves and for ourselves. So the idea that our bodies are meant to be pleasing to others and not to ourselves is something that's deeply ingrained. So I think a lot of the sexuality that girls are experimenting with is also them trying to navigate what that means to them in a way that's a little safer than in real life. Have you seen the movie, either of you guys, or the, at least the trailer to Promising Young Woman? Do you, have you heard of that movie? I saw that movie. It's very good. It, it looks amazing. It's about, you know, just in terms of sexuality, it's about a, who's, who's the... Uh, Carrie act- Mulligan. What's that? Carrie Mulligan, yeah. And I, I think she must have been date raped in college and then goes on this kind of revenge. It, it looks great kind of revenge against predatory men kind of thing, you know, pretending to be helpless. And it's just, Oh, I think I have seen that. I, um, you know, it's a sad reality that doing the work we do and being someone, I really try to be, um, as least judgmental as I can be. Like, I think that's part of maturity when you realize like so many people have a lot to say about lives they've never lived. And, by girls opening up and sharing like a lot of the traumas they've experienced. It just teaches me like a lot about how to read people and like maybe things that someone hasn't shared with me. I can already tell signs that they've probably had these experiences and I'm able to 
work with them in a way that is going to help them reach their potential and on their time and in their safe space. And everyone's different. So it is really alarming though. The, um, I would say probably 80%, maybe a little bit higher of the girls and women that I've got spoken to at schools, models out in this, this whole interchange of community have all had childhood sexual, um, abuse, physical abuse by partners, um, date rape situations, college situations. It's, it's just part of the female experience that we try to pretend is a small statistic and it's not, it's, it's all of us. And this is why we said until we get men out there saying, wait a minute, (laughs) this isn't what it means to be how men behave. And that's been my opinion is it's that behavior is poor male leadership because it's now been put on the responsibility of the women who are being victimized to have to stop men from doing it instead of other men holding men accountable for their poor behavior and raising that bar of what it means to be a healthy, well-rounded male. So that's, that's where we're at. And I think it's going to go there. Um, but I think right now it's about young girls and women really reclaiming their power in whatever way they can to overcome these things, to demand more from a partner and from people because they haven't been given what they deserve. I I had said to Liat, I said, you know, it's really nice when, when I see her posts, I'm like, oh, it's great seeing all the women power, like all the women kind of support each other, you know, responding to the posts. But her response to me is, it's all fake. (laughs) A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. I said, look, I get very frustrated with the messaging. Again, it's fake marketing. It's like girl power. So it was the skinny beauty ideal for so long. Um, And if, you know, part of my presentation is I literally just show hundreds of products that have the word skinny in it that have nothing to do with skinny. Skinny water was one of them. And I was like, damn it. How did I miss this idea? (laughs) Like I would have been a millionaire just by calling water skinny water. Like that's the level of manipulation. So as soon as marketers realize, Oh no, can't do that anymore. The market shifted. They go to something else. So they're like, Oh, self-love wellness. We'll still sell the same shit and call it this instead. And so it's really all of that kind of stuff. And so when we talk about girl power messaging, it's like, be the CEO, your parents wanted you to marry and all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, if, if women knew what it's really like being a woman in a position of power, they come for you like so hard. Not only do you have to deal with like the chauvinistic side of things and, and men, because you're, you're the minority in a lot of times then you also deal with the jealousy or the envy or whatever. So if there's ever a situation with our agency, like there was a situation recently where a girl, like we had to drop her because she just wasn't getting the feedback and that's all business. Like none of that's personal. We treat everyone the same, but they take it personal, but they always attack me, not my husband. So I find like stuff like that to be so interesting that, you know, I looked at for the, for the situation she had, this girl had sent one email and she didn't email Brad, who's the photographer. She emailed someone else and CC'd me in. So I didn't see it. So I wasn't aware that she didn't get something and there was no follow up or whatever. So instead of just communicating that she post blasts me on social media of how like I take advantage of people, like all this stuff. And you're literally like, so I look at the men in politics and in media right now that are getting called out for the most heinous behavior and like extremely ridiculous, awful things. 
I'm getting held to the fire for missing an email that wasn't even sent to the right person. Like this is what we do to women and it's ridiculous and it's not acceptable. And I, it's immaturity and it's all of those things. And so I just want girls to know we do need female leaders and we do need CEOs, but we, that with all the women that are here, we need to form like a support group because you are, we a lone soldier. Like they are going to come for you and you're going to get arrows on all sides. And it's just really unfair. And I think that the conversation we're starting to have where girls get to share those things, um, will hopefully make women realize that we have to change this behavior in ourselves and not everyone's going to be there or be at a place where they're ready to do that. But if you are us not piling on someone else on social media, who's being canceled, like behavior like that, that is really harmful to people. Like that's why people end up har- like killing themselves, you know, doing horrible things, having to go to therapy. Now I had a model who got canceled for saying something when she was 21 or two. And it was a long time ago, like six, seven years ago, she did a full apology, you know, just to tell you what happened. She was raised in a hippie community. Her parents are like hardcore vegan environmentalists and they own vegan restaurants. So that's her, her framework of her mind is in environmental perspective. So she said something about overconsumption of food and obese people. And it was this whole thing about the environment as well. She was talking about overconsumption and then a plus size um, blogger girl with a lot of followers blasted it out to her 2 million followers. And then the whole internet came for this girl. And she, even now, and she's a very good person who said something that one factually wasn't wrong, but it was insensitive the way she said it. It wasn't her intention. She was 22 years old, like all this kind of stuff you're going. And now, even when we talk about it, she's actually writing a book right now about cancel culture, which is great. Taking your pain and making your purpose. But even when we have discussions, she breaks out in hives. That's how traumatic the experience was for her. And so knowing someone that's been through that, I, when I see that behavior online, I do not partake in it. I'm like, I don't care if this person said something offensive. Me piling on them does absolutely nothing but harm them. They're not going to learn from this. They're, it's just going to be more harm and more horrible behavior, human behavior. So I'm just trying to focus on how you know, I can be an example for girls and try to be that leader to show that, but also know that if we can, in our agency, if we can say, look, we're not, we don't have to be friends, but basic respect means treating each other with human decency. And if someone comes for you online, you would want all of us to have your back and we would want that as well. So if we can make that understanding amongst us where we're coming together with respect to go, no, 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 we don't do this junior high bullshit. Sorry. Like we're professionals over here, but you can take that elsewhere. We create such a better culture. So those are all the things we're trying to teach. And I do the same. I just, people that know me, know me. So I don't feel like I need to explain myself to people who just accept rumors as truth and all of that. Cause if you get too much in that mindset, you're already lost, you know? So I just focus on treating people with integrity and and being myself and people are going to say what they're going to say, but it is difficult when you reach levels of success that you've never had before. Cause I come from a single mom, like, like nothing, you know, I paid for my school. I had to pay for my first car. So everything we have, we've worked our asses off for and built from absolutely nothing. 
So it is hard when people see you, your chapter 10 and think, oh, she's just handed this because she's pretty or whatever narratives they come up with. And they do, they slander you and they do all this stuff. And I don't think anyone's prepared for that. But I think what it taught me is that I would never want to be famous. Number one, um, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. That would be the worst thing ever. And I too much, too much pressure and hate and stuff. No, you just like, you don't get to be a human. Like if we look at media, what do we do to famous people? We build them up to just absolutely destroy them. And they do get destroyed. You, you can't go out in public without people talking to you and saying things to you. Like we were um, offered a, a home design show and my husband and I do home design and we turned it down for that exact reason. Cause we have a four and a half year old. I'm like, I'm not, do you know how many people troll? Like if you're also likable, they're going to come for you even harder. If you're a kind person, they're going to like, that just brings out the ugly, you know? And we're like, we, this is not a time where I would ever want to expose my life like that. And I think people are really rethinking it. Um, we talked to our entertainment lawyer and he's like, yeah, I've had like multiple, um, talent, turn down deals. Cause they're like, no, I don't think I want this anymore. So I think people are starting to go, maybe this whole, I want everyone to be looking at me all the time is not what it's cracked out to be. And instead, maybe we need to start building lives that are really fulfilling when no one's looking. And that, that's something I'm focused on. Is that part, part of why you're saying, Hey, let's leave LA. Yeah. Like I, we've always wanted to travel and go to Mexico. I love the culture in Mexico. Um, I think the culture, like people are very happy. Uh, when I would go, we always like to go to the local beaches and just, just observe and they don't have their cell phones out They're They could be fishing with a Coke bottle and wire and they're like so joyful and the families are so connected. And then we come here and everyone's, you know, it's like some mom, like taking selfies while our kids drowning in the pool. Like, you know, it's just like so opposite. You're like, I it's just, I'm from Wyoming and I just feel like, I want to like my most important job is to raise like a really good human. And she, my daughter's really beautiful as well. So she gets it all the time. Everyone's like, Oh, you're so beautiful. Are you going to be a model? And, and I'm like, I just don't want her to grow up around. She's already going to be around it a lot because what we do. And I want her to grow up like barefoot running on the beach where it's like this, if you choose to do that, great, but this has nothing to do with who you are. You get to decide who you are on your own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's important. So those are all the things that we really care about. What, um, what do you see yourself? Do you see yourself just continuing with this or branching into like clothing or man, I don't, you know, it's, I don't know. Like it, and I'm launching a podcast. Um, so healthy is a new skinny. I'm actually is that your podcast? No, that was that one we did before. The new one's called Business Model with Katie Wilcox. And we're talking mind, body, and business for women. So a lot of these conversations, um, models are going to get a chance to really share the stuff that girls don't know goes on behind the scenes and what they've done that harmed their bodies and what they've done that healed their bodies um, a lot. And everyone's story is different. And we're also talking to clients in the industry about what these conversations, what's professional? What do you look for? What do you not look for? Um, what is your branding? Why, what are you, do you listen to women or do you take notes of what consumers want? All this is really, really powerful information to be conscious consumers, but for people to realize all of us play a really important role in making our society healthier. And this is our role, but as a consumer, we can teach you how to help us 
to have more opportunities and for all of us to work as a team. So I think it's great with the tribalism. Like we all want to be a part of something. And this is something I think women feel really called to be a part of. And I don't want them to think that you have to be a model in order to make a really big impact. It's we need, we need everyone coming together for this. And so we can help teach you what your roles can be if it's not in the forefront as the face. Cause most people don't realize that models actually are the face of a lot of other people's work. They don't know those people exist. So mm-hmm. when it, when the photo comes out, it's like, oh, this model is so inspiring. And you're like, yeah, but what about the three female bookers who actually fought for the size of this model to even have a chance? Like it goes so, so far down this line. So we want to start telling those stories so the girls can go, oh, maybe modeling isn't for me. Maybe I'm actually better as an art director or mm-hmm. a casting producer or a set designer, like a photographer. Like, so that's where I think we need more creatives and more female brains to come in to go, Hey, this doesn't feel right. How can we pivot and make this better? That's cool. So when do you start? When are you starting the podcast? So we've already recorded like 12 episodes. So I'm just piling them up before I launch it so I can breathe. Um, But yeah, so that's coming soon. And, and, and it's important too, I think, like you said, we all have so many passions and talents and abilities. And sometimes we do one for a long time and we outgrow it. And it's hard for us to go, ah, I've already built this up and I want to stick with it just because I built it. And for me, like, again, I had that intuition for healthy is a new skinny that I was 22 when I started it. I'm 36. I'm married. I'm a mom. A lot has changed in that period of time. And I really, I ran, it ran its course for me and I hope other women can have that same experience, but I really am pivoting to dive into these conversations about how to be, how to be a woman in business, how we can create economy for more women in business, how we can show up and help each other, how we can work on some of our traumas and our issues, like speaking to therapists and people to say, Hey, this is the self-work that we have to do because people who are healthy, who are happy, who are fulfilled human beings don't behave in the way we're seeing so many people in our country behave. So that's the work I, I feel called to focus on. And, um, so I'm going to get rid of healthy is the new skinny brand and we're rebranding and I'm just starting a whole new chapter. So I'm excited to see where that goes and just, you know, have conversations because that's what I love to do. So then here's my other question. My other question was, again, this whole podcast is about pop culture and stuff and movies and TV. So here's our silly question. Do you watch, what do you guys watch? Do you guys like to watch things? Oh my God. Yeah. So the only time I get even a minute to watch anything is after my daughter's in bed. So we usually watch our shows at like 11 o'clock at night till like one in the morning. Um, and we take an edible and it's great. Um, we're in California. We're allowed to do that. Nobody can get mad at it. Um, they have it in New Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Starting to be legal there as well. But yeah. anyway, so, I mean, we can do the full range. Um, I love my trash TV. I have my few favorites, 90 day fiance, solid gold. I know it's all fake, but I still enjoy it. (laughs) Mindless entertainment. Um, married at first sight, also a quarantine discovery when I were binging horrible shows and I'm hooked on that now too. It's just awesome trash TV. We love naked and afraid. Do you guys watch naked and afraid? I have seen a few episodes. You can love that show. I I just, it's so well like done, right? Yeah. But isn't it funny? Like back to what we were talking about, about sexuality. So when you first watch that show, you're like, oh my God, they're naked. And then it wears off after like five minutes and you don't even notice it. And I'm like, see, this is the difference with like European culture to us where they're so comfortable with just their bodies that you're like, yeah, being nude isn't being sexual. Like you can clearly see like they interact totally normal and everyone's naked. 
You do notice it when at night when they're freezing and snuggling up against each other. I, okay, do you think some stuff goes down? I was like, do you think people have been attracted to each other? Like, or do you think they're just so malnourished that they don't care at that point? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure some, you know, come on. They're That's young. what I said. I, like, we've had these debates as well. I'm like, I don't know. I bet a few people were kind of like, ah, I wonder if there's ever been some hanky-panky on Naked and Afraid. That's why they don't show it all. Yeah, that's true. But I hate the cutaways where they just like make it seem like there's always like a tarantula or jaguar. You're like, you guys are just cutting away the same clips. Like, stop right. it. They haven't perfectly figured out how it's to get so that annoying. excitement going. This, there's yeah. always snakes going by or whatever. Yeah. Do you think you'd be a good contestant? No, I would never go on that show. Oh, the one, did you see the lady? She had like 5,000 bug bites. I'm like, right. I get one mosquito bite. I'm like, F this, I'm out of here. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we say about my wife, Bernice, is you could probably do it if not for the bugs. Oh, the bugs, that would be it. Like, and then there was the one where the flies were like laying eggs under their skin. And like the one guy got like a flesh eating bacteria, like crazy. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not here for that, but I'll watch it. (laughs) That's a great show. But there was another good one on Hulu that we watched called, um, I think it's the con. I have to find it. It was this one. It's this great story. It's a docu-series about this man who cons all these women into marrying them and then steals their money. And he does it over and over and over again. And so these women get together and they find this like um, dog, the bounty hunter lady kind of character who (laughs) is like, we're going to get this guy. And she's like smoking, you know, she's like, we're going to find this MFR. And they track this guy down and it's following the story of all these women that he's conned come together they made a website and it and then they find him live like on it's really really good you guys should watch it i loved it Wait, what is it called again i think i have I, seen it. yeah i think it was called the con or maybe that's oh, another con. it's something like that i'll look it up but look on hulu it's okay. really really good that's gonna be what i'm gonna watch I next, an article about it and then what about scripted stuff do you do you watch any scripted stuff yeah you know i love all of the um you know the the more tv series now like on hbo and that kind of stuff i found that by watching all of those you get so in depth with character development that then when you watch a movie they kind of suck because they have to skip over all the character development stuff like you're watching 30 hours of these other people on on the show and you're watching everything compiled to an hour and 20 minutes so i think that's going to be interesting in the future of where it goes because movies aren't as like our our um attention span is so fast and if we don't really care about the character, like I find myself not caring with movies in the traditional way as much as I do with these series where I can keep going back to it and like diving in and like finding out new stuff and, and knowing more about the characters. Yeah. So, yeah. My, my favorite show still is Lauren. Will you tell her? Your favorite show? I don't know. Do I? Big Mouth. Big oh. Mouth. Big Mouth. Oh, Big That Hormone Monster? Yeah, the Hormone Monster. Yeah. You like that show? I've watched it. I haven't got into it too much, but I love, um, what is his name? Crawl? Crawl? Is that his name? The guy that doesn't, yeah. So he, um, there was this one bit he did where he did publicity. I don't know if you guys know it. He did this comedy show. You have to, you have to Google it after this, where he was a PR girl with his friend and they both were named Liz. And so their, their shtick was we're publicity. And he was a PR, <laughs> he was a publicist. It's like the funniest thing ever. If you're in entertainment, cause that's exactly what PR people are like. I don't know why, but they all talk with like vocal fry and yeah. everything <laughs> is really like this. And you're like, why is that? a thing like it's just great like i feel like he's such so on the pulse of 
of like entertainment humor of like most people in entertainment like die at this stuff because he just like nails it but I love comedy um I hope the comedy store can open up soon like there was Jerry Seinfeld had a really good um bit recently that I saw um talking about women and how were far superior. And he, he said that, you know, we would solve world problems. And then when we're done with that, we'll go ahead and solve all the hypothetical ones too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. he's right. He's yeah. right. He's got a point. So we should just, well, have you seen that? that? Have you seen that Ted talk about the difference between a man's brain and a woman's brain? Have you seen no. it's great. You got to look it up. The Ted talk about Lauren had, have we ever talked about it? No. So a man's brain the men have this thing called an empty box where the man could just be sitting there. The woman turns to the man is like, what do you, wh- where are you right now? It's like, I'm in my empty box, you know, just yeah. thinking about nothing. And whereas women's brains are like, you know, just constantly firing yeah. and all that. But the men are just sitting there. They're in their empty box. So sometimes my wife, Bernice, will like say to me, you know, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I'm in my empty box. You know? Yeah. My husband talks about that too. He's like, you know, Women, well, they're just so much more complex and they overthink guys. He's like, guys are like so simple. Like if you look at a brick wall and you're like, what do you see there? A guy will be like, it's a brick wall. And he's like, women will be like, well, you've got bricks and there's stuff in between it. And they're kind of stacked a little bit differently. And then on this side, they're leaning this direction. And he's like, he's like, so it is really funny how our differences like go together so well. But I think um, generationally, it's just in order to have healthy relationships, there just needs to be better understanding of our differences and how to communicate it. But it is funny. I think it is funny when you, when you make those obvious points. When are you doing your Ted talk? You seem like the perfect Ted talk speaker. You know, I don't know. It's, this is the other thing that, um, I've found like with my book and with, um, the wellness industry and with modeling and entertainment every time, like, I get into these spaces, I go in like excited, you know, I'm like, yeah, I really am passionate about this and care. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this is just the same bullshit as everything else. Like it's all fake. Like I didn't know the New York times bestselling book. That's all fake. That's all paid stuff. I didn't realize that Ted talks, you have to pay for that yourself. Like, yeah, you look, I didn't know that. Yeah. You have to like all this stuff. I was like, So I don't care about those things. Like, I don't want to, like you said, I I don't want to be someone who's like, let me self-nominate myself to be everybody's spokesperson about these things. You know, I just try again to do what I'm passionate about and stay in my lane and invite people who are ready for that conversation. Cause a lot of women aren't there yet. And, um, I noticed that in the wellness space, in, all of these, like I'm an expert spaces. What I found is the people that want the microphone are, are usually the ones that haven't figured out how to do those things for themselves. I see it in girls all the time where they're, you know, recovering from eating disorders or whatever it might be. But then they're like, I'm going to be a coach. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's not glow. Whoa. Yeah. Let's work on figuring out like your life first before you decide to like charge people and give them bad advice. Like, so this is also a social media, like illness <laughs> where everyone's like, I'm the expert with like zero qualifications or any experience to back it up. It's just, I just have to have followers and then I can sell this program. So as I got into those spaces, I was like, no, this is not for me. This is a bunch of A personalities that want to be famous again. And I just kind of try to seek out actual information that is going to help me from people that have the wisdom and knowledge and not the followers, because 
you're too busy actually learning the shit that you need to learn that you can't be on Instagram all day. So we need to start valuing experts for being experts and then let people who are good at creating content get praise for being a content creator, but not blending those two things. I think we need to separate them. So that's where I try to keep it separate so I can get smarter. (laughs) I think that's good advice. And I think you going to the high schools has to be so helpful. Like has to be what kids really need. Yeah. It's, it's hard work though, because I, you know, I went in again, so naive. I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I was like, let me just talk my story and not realizing that that would matter to anyone. And the first talk we did, it was like shocking because the girls were in tears. We were there for 45 minutes and they all came up to us after and just literally like opened up their whole like life's issues onto us. And I did not, what was not prepared for that. We didn't have like a therapist there. Like we didn't even know that would be the outcome. So there's a lot of things we had to like mandate report and like abuse stuff and all these things. And it really, wow. it really like messed me up to be honest with you. Cause it was like getting that glimpse into reality that I hadn't had. And I think all of us, we live in these, our own plane of reality. And if we're fortunate to have that be a healthy one, like you know, our first world problems or we're like, that person's annoying, you know? And then we get into these other planes of existence that we've never had those experiences. And they're so heavy and so like sad and so messed up that it checks you really fast. And so I had those experiences where I was like, taking on a lot of that. And I would get mad because the schools I'm like, how are, how am I here for 45 minutes, a total stranger you're here every single day with these kids and they felt more comfortable to tell me these things than they do you who they see every single day. If that's not a sign of the problem, I don't know what is, you know? And it's like, there's a huge disconnect in schools and the bullying and the social media. And then people are like, the schools are like, well, we don't want to get sued. So this is a parenting issue. We have no, we can't do anything about this. And it's just getting really, really toxic. So I think COVID and kids doing school online was actually a blessing for a lot of kids because it, it separated them from that toxic um, culture of popularity and bullying and all the things because they kind of just got to hang out with their one or two friends they actually liked that they were real friends with and focused on their schoolwork. So I noticed that the anxiety of some of the kids had gone down because of that. And now, you know, they're going to have to go back into it in this, you know, new state with all these other things to be stressed out about. So it is something that I'm, it's concerning, but I also hope that by having the podcast where our models get to talk and share, and we do talk openly about sexuality, about dating, about body image, about eating disorders, like all this about parents. We've got a girl that doesn't talk to her mom and has her mom has mental health problems and how that affected how she feels about herself. These are the real conversations that I hope by putting out there, kids in high school can have access to it and get what they need on their own without feeling like I need to come and do a presentation at their school. Cause a lot of times that's not going to be feasible. So hopefully we can get enough, enough kids to hear about these things where they can come for these resources and have very real helpful conversations to be healthy, happy people. What's the podcast called again? It's called business model with Katie Wilcox. And we mm-hmm. talk about mind, body, and business. 
love That's it. That's awesome. So I think the data is going to change. I think it's going to get better. I mean, I'm already seeing it. I'm probably seeing your models. Like when I look for clothes, I see more normal, different shapes all the Those time. Are our models. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I'm, I think you're changing things. Yeah, I think so too. And, um, but I think what the mindset that people are in now is I want to see me be represented. That's what everyone's saying. So it, we want to be mindful that that still creates this belief that unless I see me exactly being represented, I'm not valued. And that's not the case. I think we need to take that, that ownership in ourselves to go. I love seeing a lot of different types being represented, but no matter what's being represented, I am the one that gets to dictate my value. Even if someone else doesn't see me or want to show me they're they're not in control of how I am a valuable human being. So I think again, we can't be what we can't see. So we're throwing that stuff out there more to, to have girls go, Oh, wow, maybe I am good enough. And that's a spark of consciousness. Our images can be really powerful like that, which is weird because the models don't think that, but the outcome is we all remember the first model we saw that looked like us. And it's, you know, it's weird. Cause like many of our models were like, Katie, you were on my vision board when I was like, 12. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, that one picture. And they like know what picture it was. And I'm like, this is so weird that I was that for people because for me, it was Kate Dillon. The first time she was a straight size model and the first one to cross over um, to be a size 12. And she was in glamor when I was in high school. So it's that powerful that that stays. I remember exactly when I saw it. So that's that spark of consciousness that is going to open things up. And then if we can have these really powerful conversations that get girls thinking more and being like, yeah, I am smarter than this. Wait, why am I, why am I playing by these rules? And this doesn't feel good to me and having them explore what feels good to them in my body and spirit, what respect actually looks like in relationships and in dating, um, what it doesn't look like, what's the outcome of different kinds of choices, all of those things they don't have access to. We're hoping to be a resource for. Katie, you're amazing. Yes. Thank you. You really are. Thank you <laughs> so much. All right, Katie. Thank you so much. Yes, thank, thank you, you guys. Much. Really appreciate it. And I, I can't wait to have you on my podcast so Ooh, I can ask you questions. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. you. Bye. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.